0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's May 18th, 1593, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, The Retrospectors.
1: So it was on this day that a warrant was issued for the arrest of the popular playwright Christopher Marlowe, who seems to have been the victim of an orchestrated smear campaign that ran from being an atheist to accusing Jesus of being a homosexual. But in the end, it didn't really matter because 12 days later, he would be murdered in one of literary history's great cold cases.
0: Yeah, because this isn't the day he died, but it is, as Rebecca said, just 12 days before it. So I think, you know, when people try and Mm. separate those two things, oh, yeah, Christopher Marlowe reached a tragic end and there's a bit of mystery about it. But it's entirely unconnected to him being arrested for heresy just 12 days prior. (laughs) I struggle (laughs) to believe that because the fact Mm. actually that he was in London at all on the day he died uh, on May the 30th was due to the event on this day when he was arrested because he was actually in Kent when the authorities summoned him back to the capital, probably sheltering from the plague, which had shut down a lot of London theatres. They didn't need to be in London at that point, and he was trying to protect himself. And they said, no, you need to come back and report to us because you're under suspicion of, of heresy and treason. And then he was in London when he died.
2: Yeah, so on the 5th of May, a poem promoting violence against immigrant traders was posted on the wall of a Dutch church in London, and it was signed in the name of Marlowe's character... Tamburlaine, and initially the playwright Thomas Kidd was suspected of involvement with it, which it seems a bit unfair. It's
1: like, well, it's written in a similar verse style to Christopher Marlowe and it's signed by the name of one of his most famous characters. Let's arrest Thomas Kidd.
2: Yeah, yeah, not really that fair. But anyway, when he was arrested and sadly tortured in mid-May, then Kidd started pointing the finger at Marlowe because they had this evidence against him. And the two of them, Kidd and Marlowe, had been roommates in 1591. So he was like, well, look, some of these documents... They're not mine. They're Marlowe's. Still a big
0: thing to give over Marlowe to the authorities, though, because he's a really famous playwright. And secondly, because the punishment for being an atheist, you know, you didn't have to burn a church. You you just had to be suspected of, as in this Mm. case, a bit of graffiti. According to law, you could be burnt at the stake.
1: Yeah, and in fact, this piece of damning evidence that was found in Thomas Kidd's rooms, it wasn't an atheist tract or anything like that. It was a pamphlet about Arianism, which has nothing to do with Ariad McNichol.
2: Consequently, comparatively boring compared <laughs> to the pamphlet that's all about me.
1: <laughs> it's extremely boring because it's about, it's about a theological point that just doesn't seem like it could arouse the passions. Basically, it was a school of thought that claimed that Jesus was not co-eternal and co-divine with God, but that he was begotten by God, so he hadn't always existed, and that that meant that he was also subordinate to God in terms of his divinity. But this was, even discussing this was considered an explosive mm. heresy. So Kidd mm. was quick to say, as you mentioned, Darian, under some pretty heavy torture, that he claimed the document had come from Marlowe, that he was an atheist, but also a blasphemer, that he was a traitor, that he was a moral reprobate. So he really didn't shut his mouth about how terrible Marlowe was, even when he'd been murdered.
2: Yeah, I mean, to their credit, the Privy Council did actually want more evidence. And so they ordered the informer, Thomas Drury, to find more evidence that Marlowe was an atheist. And Drury seems to have persuaded Richard Chumley and Richard Baines to make charges against Marlowe. And on the 18th of May, then a warrant was issued for his arrest. And that's what leads us to this day when the warrant is issued for Marlowe's arrest. But he was placed on bail, which
0: actually also facilitated his death right it's because he was on bail and he was still a free man that he was able to go to a tavern and get killed and that's because he was a gentleman like this was supposedly a privilege you know you're a great playwright so we'll put you on bail anyone else would be chucked in prison
1: and the circumstances of his death for a long time were a mystery and then the actual original coroner's report was discovered in 1925 which offers us the best look at what probably happened although we can go into why that might not have been the most accurate report in the world Anyway, according to the coroner's report, Christopher Marlowe had spent all day in a tavern in Deptford with Ingram friser, Nicholas Skears, and Robert Poley, And then when the, you know, as often happens when you've been on a long session in the pub, the bill arrived and an argument broke out between Marlowe and friser. Witnesses said the two exchanged diverse malicious words and then supposedly Marlowe grabbed Fryzer's dagger and cut him on the head. Fryzer then stabbed Marlowe above the right eye, supposedly killing him instantly and in what smacks of a potential cover-up, Marlowe was buried in an unmarked grave the exact same day as the inquest found that it was self-defence and Fryzer was quickly released.
0: <laughs> and the tavern from then on split everybody's bills before handing it to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They hadn't invented splitwise yet. It was a very dangerous time. Um... But although that sounds pretty straightforward, there's one vital fact missing, which is that Marlowe and three companions all known to have been spies. Or
0: well, all suspected to have been spies and, and subsequently mm. revealed very likely to have been spies. <laughs>
2: yeah. So Marlowe had been born in Canterbury uh, in 1564, the exact same year as his great rival William Shakespeare, interestingly. And though his father was a shoemaker, a fairly lowly profession for the time, Marlowe ended up being educated first at King's School and then awarded a scholarship to Corpus Christi College in Cambridge, where he was studying philosophy, history and theology. Some people think that this was the time where he was recruited by the government for espionage work. And when he returned to Cambridge, Marlowe was recruited refused his MA degree, which was due to suspected Catholic sympathies until the Privy Council intervened on his behalf. And so there's all of this kind of speculation about what was going on, what his background was, but it does seem fairly likely that he was at least involved in something that was state-sponsored.
0: Because, to be clear, it would be weird for the son of a shoemaker to get plucked from obscurity and funded through Cambridge to study philosophy but then leave and go to Reims, which was a refuge of Catholics... Right. and then have the government write to Cambridge and say, no, no, give him his MA in theology, yeah. <laughs> even though you want to chuck him out, because yeah. he's been doing, quote, good service for us. I mean, all of those things point to, here's a bright spark, we've spotted him, we're going to put him into the establishment, and then we're going to take him into a place we need him to poke around for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Queen Elizabeth had an incredibly vast spy network. You know, It was all over the country, and surprisingly all-seeing. And so we now see Marlow pop up again in 1592, and he's been arrested in the English garrison town of Flushing which is in the Netherlands and in those days was under British control Um, and he was accused of counterfeiting money the governor sent him back to England requesting that he be dealt with personally by the Lord Treasurer Lord Burley however no action was ever taken and Marlowe was a free man again instantly which indicates that perhaps he had actually been spying for Burley
2: And even once his writing career gets underway, his main patron was Thomas Walsingham, who was the nephew of the spymaster Sir Francis Walsingham. (laughs) So, you know, his money is coming fairly, fairly directly, in fact, from the main spymaster. So, you know, you can draw your own conclusions,
0: really. And yet at this point, when he's being charged with heresy, Queen Elizabeth I says, not all my privy counsel say you've been doing great service, but let's prosecute this matter to the full. So this seems like fairly clear-cut and very harsh using and then dumping of an asset by the British Mm. government.
1: Yeah, I think the natural conclusion is that somebody ordered him killed because he knew too much.
0: And probably were worried he was going to end up in a play, basically.
1: (laughs) Well, some have suggested that The order to assassinate him came from Sir Walter Raleigh, because Raleigh at this point was mired in these allegations that he was the ringleader of this so-called school of atheism, which was kind of a non-existent thing that was creating a big moral panic at the time. The idea that some of the leading courtiers and statesmen and artists were secret atheists who were spreading godlessness, and Walter Raleigh had supposedly been converted to atheism by Marley. So, although Raleigh certainly wasn't the leader of some shadowy network of atheists, if he truly had started to Embrace atheism. He maybe didn't want to be publicly linked with Marlowe and was worried about what Marlowe might say if he was put on the rack.
0: And also, having publicly accused him of heresy, people are going to miss him less, aren't they, when he suddenly dies? They're going to ask fewer questions because he's a tainted individual. And yeah. that was pretty effective. For years, I mean, as late as 1597, the theologian Thomas Beard claimed that Marlowe's death was, quote, a manifest sign of God's judgment in that he compelled his own hand, which had written those blasphemies, to be the instrument to punish him, and that in his brain, which had devised the same. (laughs) Which I Brilliant, like a man of the cloth would suggest that the appropriate punishment for atheist thoughts is for your own hand to stab yourself in the brain.
2: <laughs> well, if some of the stuff that he was accused of having said was true, you can understand why theologians in particular might have been fairly upset with him. He was said to have said religion was invented just to keep men in awe, that Christ was a bastard, that St John was a bedfellow of Christ, and that Moses was but a juggler. I don't quite know the significance. Of of that, but anyway, it doesn't sound like well, the sort I of thing that a pious person conjurer would, say.
0: would be a better. I mean, you know, the N- idea that Moses was, was right. doing magic tricks rather than miracles. Gotcha.
1: Shame Marlowe hadn't been around now. They'd have given him a Netflix special.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. Because I'm not a maths person either. I never thought I'd be able to solve it. But it's just fun to play with, like almost one of those executive desk toys. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors part of the ACAST Creator Network.